The following presentation is brought to you by the KMmedia.pro network. Each channel is created to provide highly engaging and fascinating content presented in an entertaining light just for you. Please visit KMmedia.pro for complete information. Now, stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our mission is to bring to you the best, most uplifting content heard anywhere. Great guests interesting topics and ideas presented with a fun entertaining style please join me kevin mcdonald and my friends as we bring new thoughts terrific people and creative ideas directly to you please join us right now for positive talk radio and welcome everybody to another episode of positive talk radio it is wednesday afternoon it is drive time in seattle and if you are driving in your car and you have a better half who happens to be a man, I'd like you to pay attention to this episode. And uh, also, uh, if your boss happens to be a guy, uh, you might want to call him and tell him to listen to KKNW 11.50 AM. And uh, if I could learn how to say that. I've only been doing this for 18 years, Eric. There seems to be something <laughs> wrong with my tongue. You get there in the end. <laughs> I get there in the end. Yeah. And Eric, I consider to you to be a very enlightened man. Oh, well, thank and, you. And uh, in the time that I've known you, you seem to be have your act together. You seem to be inclusive and work with all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. And so this show is not necessarily for you, although you can benefit from it. All right. It is for the others of us that maybe could use a little help. In, in, in how their interactions, both in business and professional and, and personal lives, to, to help uh, learn how to communicate a little bit better and to be a better leader and to, in short, to be a better man. And in that vein, we have uh, our guest for the hour, and um, his name is Ray Arata. And he is an author. He's an expert in communications, leadership, and emotional literacy. We're going to talk a little bit about emotional literacy because, um, Eric, what would be your definition of emotional literacy? Do you have any idea? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I know. That's why I asked. <laughs> somebody that can read emotions, I guess. I guess I mean, perhaps so. But I guess we should uh, invite Ray in to talk about it. Because Let's get the real definition. Absolutely. He, he, he knows what he's talking about. He's also a, a leader and he does uh, talks all over the world. And he's worked with companies called like Intel and Toyota and Verizon. And although they, I wish they'd work with their customer service department, but that's just me in any, in any event. Ray, how are you today? I'm doing fine. This is my, my last uh, podcast of the day. It's been one of those days and I've really been looking forward to it. Yeah, this is for me, too. I, how many have you done? I've done three so far. This is my third one. So I'm, I'm parallel with you that the that emotional literacy question, um, I get a lot. And, you know, when I when I do presentations, I, I give everybody this working definition. It's the ability to acknowledge our emotions and to respond consciously with the disclaimer that it's hard for men because no one ever taught me, and, and based on my experience, men, this is how you feel fear, shame, sadness, or, or even joy. Everyone knows the anger one. 
<laughs> and most of this is done unconsciously. So imagine what might happen, what could be possible. All those times our, the women in our lives said, just tell me how you feel. Well, every time I was told that initially, I had no idea how to do that. And we're not allowed to do that in not many allowed. cases uh, because it's, you know, don't cry. That doesn't hurt. Just buck up and be a man. That's so right. from the beginning, we get, we get the wrong impression about what being a man is all about, don't we? Yeah. You know, what you're speaking to, Kevin, is uh, it's referred to the initial person that gave it this label is Paul Kivel. He calls it the man box. And ultimately, Tony Porter, founder of A Call to Men, a good friend and supporter, did a TED Talk on, on the man box. And he basically helped people understand that these unwritten rules of what it means to be a man have been lurking in the shadows and driving men's behavior and language generation after generation and gener after generation. And we're getting near the end of the line uh, with those unwritten rules. But for your listeners, some of them are, and this is a big one, real men don't show emotion. Real men make all the decisions. You know, real men play sports. Real men are heterosexual. I mean, there's a lot more, but those are these rules that if you, that, you know, you, you and I look about the same age and your listeners, they can't see how or what I look like, but I'm going to be 59 on Saturday. And so the younger generation of men are looking at our generation going, well, I don't want to be like that either. So not only is it the women shining the light on our behavior and our language, it's the younger generation. So there's a real opportunity especially given Time's Up, Me Too, Black Lives Matter movement, all this attention's on the majority of men. So why not, why not all of us, in the spirit of being better men, choose to rewrite the narrative and not let these bad apples, the minority, uh, the ones that we see in the news, dictate? Because if we don't say or do anything, then we're complicit, right? So hopefully that wasn't too much for your listeners, but that's kind of where I operate from. Well, no, it's, it's, it's outstanding because our behavior as men dictates how we act in the workplace. It dictates how we act at home, our, in our relationship with our kids. Everything that we do in life is reflected in the behavior that we learned when we were kids. That's right. How do we fix that? First thing is, is uh, the human condition... Um, for, for better or for worse, and it's usually worse, it, it is along the lines of pain is usually the most supreme motivator for change. My divorce and my partnership betrayal in 1999, which was my one-two punch wake-up call that had me, forced me in that moment uh, to make a decision. Do I want people to continue experiencing me like this, or do I want to look inside and uh, seek to understand what, what's driving my behavior. So I went to a men's weekend put on by the Mankind Project that had me look at how the pained little boy in me was driving the adult bus and I was negatively impacting those I loved. So when I did that, it woke me up and I went on my journey that we might cover today. But those very same things I learned as a healthy masculine man, as opposed to a toxic masculine man, uh, are what I wrote about in the book, and it's what I seek to 
uh, instill in men seeking to be allies in their workplace, in their communities, in their relationships, as well as leaders. It's the same stuff, just in a different context. Absolutely. By the way, if you want to follow along and you're in front of a computer, not while you're driving, of course, uh, you can go to Ray Arata, and that is A-R-A-T-A dot com. And you can learn all about him. He's written two books. Love the titles. The first one is Wake Up, Man Up, and Step Up, Transforming Your Wake Up Call to Emotional Health and Happiness. And the second book is called Showing Up, How Men Can Become Effective Allies in the Workplace. And that is a book that, that is just recently out, and it is uh, really something that everybody can uh, latch on to because becoming an ally in the workplace, an effective ally, is really important Is not only from the standpoint of, of it's a better way to operate, but it's actually more effective. Your, your um, production goes up, your productivity, your absenteeism goes down. There's a lot of really positive stuff when you're acting like a grown-up guy rather than a teenager who, you know, for whatever reason, you never stopped, you never continued to evolve to what you should be. Is that, is that the nature of your books? Yeah, and so the, the important thing to say here is not I, the last thing I want to do is have men feel shamed or blamed. This is really more of a function of if you look around and you seek to get interested with respect to how people are experiencing you, what's going on around you, you're going to make a decision about do you want to be part of the solution or do you want to be part of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm a positivist. That's why I'm so happy to be doing this with you today. And when, when in my coaching business, when I put people in touch with how do you want to be experienced, it makes them think positively, which gives them a reason to look at the, the stuff that's been driving their behavior. It might feel a wee bit like therapy, but it's not. And so the, the whole idea here is, you know, I'm a, I'm a, your, your listeners can't see that I'm a six foot four white cisgendered Italian American heterosexual man with loads of privileges, even the tall guy privilege. I'm six, four. And so <laughs> I want to be, and so none of that's bad stuff. I privilege is not a bad word. Let's humanize it as opposed to demonize it. And then if all of us can simply recognize that privilege is akin to advantage and some of which I earned, you know, economic school, et cetera, some unearned, like I'm male and I'm white. Like, so I didn't get to choose that. It just happened to me. And if I can understand that it didn't happen to other people and the skids are greased a lot more easily for me, well, in the business family context at work, you know, you want to be the good dad or the bad dad. <laughs> be the good dad. You know, invite everybody to the table. You know, so I, I have plenty of metaphors, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what what you're doing, and you've also got a uh, seminar that's out there that we want to talk about as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, what, you're, uh, what you're doing is you are working to kind of even the playing field and, uh, under, and for everyone to understand that we are all, in, in my world, we are all one. We are all equal. We right. all have got, now, that doesn't mean we're all the same. 
We all have right. different attributes and we do different things well and, and things like that. But it's important for us, I think, that, uh, that, we, that we take that, we, we take into consideration the differences and appreciate the differences rather than making them wrong or making them less than. Does that make sense? Everyone can benefit from them as well. Yes. Every, everybody wins. That's, that's the whole idea. What's the win-win? What's the win-win as opposed to the good old boy club that's holding on because they've had it a certain way, right? If they let go, it's the biggest fear, there's still a win, right? Now, that's a, that's probably another radio show. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to ask you, because times, they be a-changing. Uh, yes. With the Black Lives Matter movement, with the Me Too movement, with people are not taking taking what has been going on lying down anymore and they're speaking up it's causing it it can cause i mean well you tell me doesn't it cause a lot of fear in men because they're scared of change in the way that it used to be is no longer applicable yeah so so a couple things on that i have two different answers one that centers my whiteness and one that just centers men in general i'll do the men in general first so inside most orgs there's five states of men that i've learned in talking to hundreds upon hundreds of men and hundreds of dei leaders um, all of which come to my better man conference and we'll talk about that in a little bit the first state of men are the is a group of men that feel threatened by DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, because it threatens their job. Underline there, because that is their unexamined privilege in action. Michael Kimmel said, privilege is invisible to those who have it, right? That group needs to understand that what they have, not feel bad about it, and maybe consider it uh, uh, a different way of looking at things. That's the hardest group to penetrate. Second group are the ones that language, you know, in my company, there's a employee resource group for LGBTQIA plus for Latinos, for African-Americans. What about us? Why don't we have one? Not a bad question. And, and there's a little opportunity there to have them feel a little bit of pain of exclusion and then help them pivot from that to like be more inclusive. That's the second group. The biggest group, is the ones that are afraid to say or do the wrong thing so they don't do anything and which makes them complicit. That's a big, and cancel culture certainly doesn't help that. The fourth group are the ones that wanna do something but don't know what to do. And the fifth group are the few, the proud, the advocates. So those are the groups and companies need to understand that they, those each require a slightly different approach. And for the men listening, ask yourself, what group do you most identify with? And then maybe take it one step further and ask a woman in your organization, what's, what in your experience do you, you know, what category of men do you most experience? And you might notice some disparities. So that's the inside the org. The white man piece is something I came up with in the fall is this notion of my white male ability versus my white male fragility. And the white male ability is about what I call the dynamic duo of allyship, privilege and accountability. If I have privileges that others that don't have and things are happening on my watch, when I put both of those together and I step into being an ally, that's using my white male ability. 
if my white male fragility is running the show, that's like, oh, I don't want, uh, I don't want, you know, I'm afraid of what the guys might say. Uh, they may kick me out of the boys club. Uh, I may not get a promotion, but even in that instance, those consequences versus if I was a woman, woman of color, gay man, black man inside an org, and I chose to speak up, the consequences are much more dire. So I always invite the white men to just, and I, I'm not saying it's easy, but let's get past fear as a paralyzer and start going back to that question, how do I want to be seen? Because in this space of allyship and inclusionary leadership, the joke amongst my partner and I is, I don't care what reason you choose to step into being an ally, as long as you use one. It might be personal case, my wife, my mother, my sister, my female colleague. It might be the business case, as long as it's not the dinosaur case, which is if I'm going to sit in the back with my arms folded and I'm not going to do anything, I'm going to be extinct. So there's lots of choices. Just choose one. That that old saying, to get along, you got to go along, um, is what happens with, because if you're not at the top of the organization and you're mid-level someplace and you're scared of that the guy above you is, you know, you're going to just go along with whatever they do and you're not going to stand up for anything and you're, and okay. you're going to end up doing nothing. <clears throat> That's correct. And we and, don't want that. That and that doesn't serve anyone. No. So so not what even you, the guy. Not, no, because the the guy. No, it doesn't serve him as. Uh, so how do we fix it, Ray? <laughs> help! How do we fix it? Depends who I'm talking to. So, if 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 I'm talking to an individual man, and this I wrote the book for three different constituencies. The men who are asking me, "What do I do?" the people in leadership positions in companies saying, how do I engage my men? And then those that herald from historically marginalized groups, um, how do I support and be supported? It really depends on which group. So if I speak, if, if any of your listeners are organizational leaders, DEI, HR, learning and development, or just, and this is probably the most important group, a senior male leader who gets what I'm talking about here and is ready to, make this important enough, then it's about understanding the critical importance of role, the role men must play in a diversity inclusion initiative. So the way they can do that, if they get the book and they put themselves on an awareness path to learn about this stuff, that's always a good idea. Um, when companies hire me, um, I may come in and do a keynote presentation to inspire and make them think differently. Sometimes I get invited by the white male CEO to talk to his white male leaders to give them an opportunity to speak, be listened to, and then just shift their perspectives. <clears throat> Sometimes we do a pilot for the leaders. Sometimes companies sponsor and send people to the Better Man Conference, which will be in June in, in uh, New York and San Francisco West Coast in, in November. So <clears throat> whether they go to rayarata.com or bettermanleadership.com, there's plenty of information there, but at the end of the day, for any, every individual who's listening on this call, the decision that I would invite you to consider is, am I willing to step on the path proactively to be an ally, which means I'm going to start learning about how I communicate, how I act, 
and what I'm doing or not doing to support the advancement of women and marginalized folk, right? Instead of waiting for a painful situation to make me do something. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because when I was in management, I've been in management a good part of my life. And what I found was that being an inclusive leader and utilizing everybody's gifts to the best of their ability and including them in decision-making all made just an, an amazing amount of sense because there's a lot of smart people that we marginalize. And if you utilize their gifts, then you can accomplish a lot more in your business. Am I right in that? Yes, but and there's an and. So oh. as I've learned on my leadership ascension, that the older I get, the wiser I get, it's less about me and it's less about my doing and it's more about my being. Take that one step further and it's how can I take all the skills and empower and grow others? And leadership is a burden and it takes a lot of energy. So imagine, and this is where the light bulb can go on. I mean, you, you figured it out however you figured it out to bring other people's perspectives. But guess who's not, who's not doing all the heavy lifting anymore? you it's it's all the light bulb goes on wait a minute maybe what i'm supposed to be doing here is getting the most out of my people by being their highest best self and making sure that they have a voice at the table that they're at the table that they have a voice at the table and i learned when i went through a training in, in tribal through tribal leadership dave logan wrote a book called tribal leadership that that's when people really project on you that's a true leader because it's not about him it's about him making it about me so when i started doing my better man conferences um i centered other people's voices paid attention to intersectionality now i did get accused of decentering myself so much that i've got to come back into the fold and this year i'm going to be the mc but i'm going to step on that stage and basically model putting other people's voices forward. So these are all the things that I seek to teach leaders, particularly male leaders and even more so white male leaders. Because we have grown up a certain way and sometimes change is hard. That's right. And we're going to win and it's going to feel better for us. You know, it's like what happens with a lot of men as they get older, the dollars become less important and legacy and purpose become more important. That's so true. So it's a natural shift that unless you really think about it, it may be beckoning you. And so I want to presence that, you know, there's plenty of reasons for you to step into this. I'm just curious because there is a segment of our white male population that feel yeah. like they are being left out, that yeah. they're being left behind, that everybody else has a bigger voice than they do. Um, and so I don't think that's actually true, but that's their perception. How do we change that? Well, the first thing is, is that I've learned is if that's their experience, acknowledge that that's their experience. Their truth is that's how they feel. So we don't want to disqualify their feelings. Right. But what we don't want to do is, is give license and energy to the story or the narrative that they're making up about it. Right. Right. So, so if they're feeling excluded, there's a part of me, uh, and I would never do it this way, that I would invite them to say, hey, just for a moment, this feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? 
you're not part of the, 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 the group. Can you for a moment begin to understand that this is how other people think? So while you stay in this discomfort, what is it that you'd want for yourself and other people to understand? What would you say to them? And I would say to them, this is a conscious setup because now I'm going to flip it and have you <laughs> be in the other role from your own personal little emotional experience, ask yourself a question. Do you want to perpetuate that exclusion that other people are feeling? Or do you want to do your part to include them? So those men that feel excluded right now, they have a little bit of work to do because they've had it a certain way and now they feel threatened. So five bucks says that they're probably writing a story that isn't true, but they might unconsciously make true. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. If, Cause if yeah. you build the story, a lot of times you can make the story happen the way that and make it real, <laughs> make it very that's real. A, you know, that's exactly right. So let's talk about Ray a little bit. You seem like a very enlightened guy. Were you always this way or has this been an evolution over time? An evolution over time. And I, and I, I want to credit the mother of my, three children, my former wife. I want to actually, I want to credit my mother first because she was, she's, a, she's in a home now with early stage Alzheimer's and she was this amazing Southern Italian woman married to my father, the judge. I had a front court seat to the Billie Jean King, Bobby Riggs, you know, knock down, drag out, you know, <laughs> scenario between my parents. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you don't, those of you that don't remember, Billy Jean King was a tennis player, and Bobby Riggs was a short little guy with glasses, and he's and they and he swore that he could beat Billy Jean in a in a tennis match, and so they had this. And I think, as I remember correctly, Billy Jean won that. Did she correct? won? He was a, a total sexist man. Yes, and and, and was unabashed about it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he was, he, the was, line. he was dang proud of it. Exactly. And so when I saw that going on, I, I didn't realize how many lessons I learned and uh, embedded in me. And I wasn't conscious of it until I did my men's weekend was that my mom, you know, was at the short end of the stick in an Italian family where all the rights and privileges um, my, my uncle got because he was the oldest son and she couldn't play sports. She didn't get to do this and that. So she was the first influence, albeit you know, delayed. And so when my first, my first wife dropped the Volkswagen on my head and said, I don't want to be married to you anymore, that was the painful wake-up call that had me do my men's weekend to begin to understand that, that how I was behaving was impacting her. So she, to her credit, she set me on this trajectory. I had no idea I'd be where I am now, where I started doing men's weekends, started leading these weekends, going to men's group. And then the big guy in the sky started sending women and men to me for cups of coffee because of something I said. And I started to realize, oh, something's going on here. And after seven years of living separate lives of leading these weekends and being in the financial services industry, consulting to high tech and law firms, I left and I started coaching my business. And that's when I met a diversity and inclusion consultant who said, you really have something here, Ray. Um, I want you to go to a women's leadership event and just listen. And that's when all the stuff about my mom 
my daughter graduating from Duke with a degree in computer science and my wife being a, a one of eight in an Italian family where her youngest brother was running the show. I'm like, someone needs to do something. And so on a lark, I'm like, okay, maybe it's me. And I came up with this idea to advance healthy masculinity into the leadership conversation. And I called up some corporate guys and gals I knew and said, I've got this idea. I want to do a conference. And they're like, sounds great. Boom. 150 people showed up at this conference. And I had been at an international masculinities conference in New York at the Roosevelt Hotel Roosevelt that Michael Kimmel was putting on. And I knew that Roseanne Arquette, Sheryl Sandberg, and Jennifer Siebel Newsom, Governor Newsom's wife, were backstage. And they were players then. And I went back and I introduced myself. And now I'm friends with all three of them. Not, not friends, but let's call it business colleagues. Cheryl Sandberg gave me a blurb that's on the front cover of my book. She's been a great supporter. Jennifer Siebel Newsom, uh, Justin Baldoni, just a whole bunch of people that when I reached out, when I wrote the book, really came to the aid of the cause. And so I guess when I swan dived into this, somehow I knew that there was no turning back. And this was when I realized my father... And my mother, who were, you know, civil servants, because my father was a judge and my mom was working at the Janet Pomeroy Center in San Francisco for other abled folks. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm a fruit that fall, fell from two trees. And I guess this is I'm in this for the long haul. So that's why that's that's how I got into all this. Well, you know, it's, it's really awesome because you're also following your passion and you're exactly. you're writing. You've written two books. Wake Up, Man Up, Step Up, Transforming Your Wake Up Call to Emotional Health and Happiness, and Showing Up, How Men Can Become Effective Allies in the Workplace. I really encourage our listeners today, if you're, if you're to buy these books, because and give them to the man in your life. Because right. he doesn't, a lot of times, guys don't, we don't, we're not that deep. And we, we don't necessarily think in terms of, what we're going to do and how we're going to communicate and all the things that we we're pretty basic when it when it comes down to it so uh get the books and by the way go to ray or and i'll spell the last name for you a-r-a-t-a dot com and you can learn all about the work that he's doing he's also got a conference that we're going to talk about but he's about to he opened up a book that he's about to read from so uh, guess you just you just invited your listeners the women listeners to get the book and give it to men and what they don't know in the wake up man up book there's a chapter at the end chapter 21 called note to women and i'll read just four sentences for context <laughs> When I decided to write a book for men, it occurred to me that the audience I needed to include and speak to were women, especially women who are in relationship with men. Since women are more apt to buy self-help books and have a vested interest in a man journeying inward, it made sense to address this right off the bat. My hope is that this brief section sheds light on the possibilities for you and him amidst a wake-up call, if he chooses to answer. So I'm going to leave it at that and guide them to, you know, this wake up man up book. That's just for the man who might be causing pain in a little bit of pain and is doesn't want to go to therapy, isn't ready to do a men's weekend. That's this book. If the man wants to or is being forced to or gets what we're saying and is in the workplace or is a, runs his own business or in a nonprofit. 
and he's paying attention this much, as in not very much, but just enough, uh, of what's going on around the world and wants to get ahead of it, Showing Up is a perfect book that will meet him where he's at. And as you've been probably reading a little bit, Kevin, you could probably speak to that a little bit. Well, it's it's both of the books are important for men to look at because like I said, we're not that deep a lot and we don't we don't necessarily look at what we could do uh, versus what we are doing. And it affects our, our and like like you very well said, I, I also had a small Volkswagen dropped on my head at one, <laughs> at one point in time. And it, it, it doesn't feel good. And it it's, can be a blindside because we're not aware and we're not uh, plugged in and we're not communicating uh, well enough. And uh, we're not treating other people as an ally versus, no. you know, and having our, our roles. Um, whatever those, you know, in those roles, I guess it's kind of scary for, and, uh, for some folks because those roles, they be a change in my, as an example, my mother never worked a day in her life. Didn't have to, she was a housewife. Now she did work a day in her life cause she had three kids. So that was also important work. But, uh, nowadays I don't know where you are, Ray, but in Seattle, the average house price, the average is half a million dollars. It takes two incomes to make it to make it work. So it takes two people that are a partnership that really want to work together and can work together. And uh, um, it's important that we do that. I'm north of San Francisco. Oh boy, you're average even worse. price is million one point two million, and you've got to have a combined income of two hundred and fifty to three hundred fifty thousand dollars, which requires both people to work. And it's hard. In, in, Not in, cool. Yeah. It, it would be nice if it would be if it would be different than that, but it's not. And so, but it's important that we work together as people, husband and wives, and employers and employees, to work together for the betterment of everybody, because everyone and wins. Then, right? One thing uh, in the spirit of modeling what I preach, if I may, Kevin, I would invite you. In addition to saying husbands and wives, use the vernacular partners. So that your, your listeners who herald from the LGBTQIA community feel included, right? Absolutely. And so, and for those of you, just I'll just notice that I hopefully, Kevin, did that in a compassionate, not shaming way for the sake of educating you and making sure everybody else feels included. This is just an example of what we need to be able to do. You're right. right? You're right. Cool. And it's, it's not... It, it, it's something that, that I should consider, especially with the uh, forum that I have and the voice that I have, to change that. Uh, and I am always about, you know, I, I live with myself. I know I'm not very perfect. So I can use all the advice that I can get. You know so, what you are? Human. And per perfect is a trap. Um, we're human because we're, we're going to make mistakes. And if, 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 and you, you, you may not know it, but the, 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 the couple of the steps of the allies journey, um, there's four of them that they're in the book, but the last one is commit to new practices and behaviors and take response. And the one before that is to take responsibility for the impact. And you're doing all that right now, you know, keep going. It's, 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 imp it's important work that you are doing. And, uh, I, I, for one, appreciate it. We had a great conversation uh, before we even got 
to this part of yes. doing of doing the actual actual interview. And you you are an incredible incredible man that's got a great vision. You've also got a a, um, a conference that's coming up. Yep. Let's talk about your conference and how it can uh, where it is and how it can benefit people. Sure. So the name of the conference is the Better Man Conference, and your listeners can go to bettermanconference.com. We're making some changes, uh, so the pages will change. Uh, This will be our sixth year, and this year we're going to go live, in-person events, and streaming. One of the things we learned in the pandemic is streaming just extends the reach. And so tentative date is June 1st, New York City, uh, and San Francisco will be November, the first week of November. And so they could reach out to me if they are in a position of leadership or want to put the sponsor packet in the hands of a decision maker uh, to go to Ray at better Ray at bettermanconference.com would be my email. Now this year's theme themes are the three P's patriarchy, power, and privilege. And what we seek to do is to create uh, an in the room experience or virtual experience that educates, inspires, make people think differently. So we invite uh, practitioners, experts to speak to and deliver an experiential um, session to get people to think and feel, to educate them. And since when we think about patriarchy, well, we want to dismantle that in a good way. Power, we want to change our relationship and understanding with it, especially as men and, and contemplate, you know, collaboration and privilege, humanize it, use it, educate people on it. So those three topics right there are pretty potent. Another P <laughs> uh, to, to, Four to, yeah, to, 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 um, and so what happens is, you know, some companies send 10 or 15 people, some companies are like, we want to send the message that this is important. We want to sponsor it. We want to be part of the narrative. Oh, Ray, you're going to be doing a panel. We have an executive who's willing to go up there and model his vulnerability and share his learnings, share his struggles, you know, things of that nature. So we curate an experience. Um, our past MC, Eduardo Placier, he calls it dramaturgy, where he, we link everything together all the experiences for an impactful experience. And it's, it's a, it's a wonderful deal. Well, if we use zoom, if we use zoom or WebEx, cause Cisco is considering being one of our sponsors, we'll have a chat or an interactive function so that people are, if they're virtual, but, and I'm hearing that people are a lot, very hungry to go to back to live events. Yeah. I can't wait. You know, I'm tired of sitting on my duff here, you know, d- delivering to a computer screen. You know, I'm glad that I've been able to, but I'm I'm ready for the in-person connection. With Absolutely. People. Well, you know, I and I want to talk to the touch bases with you on that because, his, and it's been my experience that um, women have a different way of communicating with each other than men do communicate mm-hmm. with each other, yeah. and it it's been my experience that men tend to not talk deeply with each other not to look each other in the eye, not to really delve deep because that's not the manly thing to do is to really be open to another human being and regardless of gender. 
and to really dig, dig deeply into what they're saying, listen to what they're saying, and then respond to what they think they heard, and then they can have a dialogue. Guys don't do that like as, as well as I think we could. So if you were here at my house last night, I had a men's group here, and everything that women do, albeit done in a slightly different way, we did. So we have a formula where we check in and we speak what's true, one person at a time. We uh, allow other men to ask questions for the sake of that man who checked in. We encourage men to say, okay, what's your feeling? Where is it in your body, right? Where are you struggling? And miracle upon miracle upon miracle of, oh, wow, I'm not the only one feeling that happens when I say something or I say something and I had the experience of releasing it. So <clears throat> I've been in mixed circles. I've been in circles with men in maximum security prisoners, former shot callers. It's all the same. We all can get real. We all can be vulnerable. We just weren't taught. So it just requires some practice and it's rich. It's rich beyond measure. It can actually literally change your life. I believe it has, it has, it's changed my life. You know, pain's pain. And, and, you know, when, when, when I'm able to speak to my pain and other people listen, that in and of itself is healing. Exactly. It really is. And I did real quick story. Uh, my father-in-law who's passed on and my brother-in-law, or my, yeah, my brother-in-law, who is also passed on, could not communicate at a, on a deep level. They could not. They talked at a superficial level. They talked about business and stuff. Well, my brother-in-law went through a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty. He lost his wife, um, and he got a bill from the hospital for a million dollars. He was in trouble at work, and his father, rather than taking the time to really dig deep into it, and to really work with him on it and to go over there and hold his hand while he was feeling that way, basically said, man up, man up and be a man. Well, my brother-in-law took that as a sign and he killed himself that day. That's, that's where we are coming from as men because we do not listen to each other as well. And that's why the work that you're doing is so important and so if, if men are called to do that, this work and to open up with each other, that can be beneficial for everybody. In my first book, when I, the second part of the title, Man Up, I'm seeking to redefine that. And that is wake up, become aware, man up, connect to your emotions and, and be a real man who can talk about his feelings, who can feel his feelings and isn't a one trick anger pony you know, uh, hurting others and then, and step up. Right. So I'm with you completely. And I've, I've seen loads of experiences and stories that the one you just meant, just like the one you mentioned. It can change and we can change, but we have, it would be best if we 
chose to change and not have it happen to us, which is happening more and more uh, with, the, with the, the movements that are out there and our behavior, our behavior has to change. And we can't get away with doing what, what men used to be able to get away with uh, as far especially working with women and uh, working with counterparts that are equal to us. Uh, we can't, we can't do that stuff anymore. So I, you gotta w be willing to change and be, and by the way, you'll also be happier. And it, don't you, Ray, don't you find it also true that men think women want something, but they don't, they want something else. And so they are much more appreciative of a man who is in communication with his own emotions and is, um, and, and is available emotionally and as well as everything else. Uh, don't you find that, that, that if men could get, get, get that through their heads, that, that women really do want somebody that's emotionally available, don't they? Absolutely. And, 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 or a partner, and, let me, and, let me change and, that. A partner, wants a, a partner. <laughs> they, Good catch. Good catch. So, so I've done this at better man conferences where, um, I've said, guys, hold on a second. I want to demonstrate something in the spirit of what we're talking about, Kevin. And I said, so if I said to you women that I'm afraid or I'm sad or I don't know what, I don't have the answer, do you trust me more or less? And by a show of hands, show me. And all the hands go up. And then I look to the men and I'm like, okay, guys, uh, what I just did was I was vulnerable and I told an emotional truth about me. And what did it do? It engendered trust, right? And so when I'm able to share my feelings with uh, not just a woman, but anybody else, but let's for right now, for the purposes of the conversation women, um, it's there's a there's a intimacy is defined as into me you see. So Ooh, if you into good. me you see, it's not mine. I I learned it a long time ago, um, and when I do that, it fosters intimacy. And in the same vein, I do that in the business world. Create business intimacy. You're working, you're probably spending more time with a lot of people at work than you are at home, good, bad, or otherwise. So why not be a whole human being in both arenas? In fact, let go of this, I can't be who I am at work. Now, when I say that, and I'm looking at my Zoom screen, I'm a white male saying that. So I have to also own the privilege that I can get away with saying that which means I have to understand that for a woman, woman of color, gay man, black man, or anybody else that doesn't identify as white heterosexual, it hasn't been safe for them to do that, which also has me want to tell your listeners that the burden that anybody who doesn't look like me of going into the workplace to cover, hold back, not be who they are, adjust, is enormous. So if we can, we as men, we as white men can begin to understand that burden, that fatigue, and we're aware of it. Well, I don't know about you, but the choice I'm going to make is I'm going to seek to eliminate the need as much as possible and do my part and create psychological safety 
for them to be their full selves. That's using privilege in a good way. And isn't it also true that if you are the, I was talking with another uh, executive coach and he says that, and he, I think he's right, is that if, if you're uh, the head of the organization and you are vulnerable and you are open and you tell people that you don't know everything and you solicit their help and, and encourage their involvement, that your company will do better and that your co- and your employees will be happier um, and everybody can work together if, if it's all inclusive and everybody and and people actually want to rather than just show up and and do their eight hours and then go home they want to have an impact in the business they want you to succeed and uh, but if you're and if you're open that can happen is am i am i kind of right oh you're totally right you're totally right totally right uh, so it becomes it really is cool so by the way we're talking with ray arata and he has a couple of books out that you need to go get wake up man up and step up transforming your wake-up call to emotional health and happiness and showing up how men can become effective allies in the workplace and uh, he's an expert in leadership inclusion allyship and emotional literacy professionals connect with Ray because he leads from his heart and practices what he teaches in his own businesses. So you use this in your businesses. Yes. Uh, all the time. I don't know how to not do this. <laughs> and now my earlier, I realized I was crediting my mother and my wife and maybe I threw my daughter in there and the diversity and inclusion consultant, but my current wife and life partner, Anna, has been with me for 22 years. So after I did the men's weekend, I met her. So she watched me come home 55 times from those men's weekends. <laughs> she's she's um, behind closed doors. She's seen me not act like an ally. Behind closed doors, she's seen me defend and validate, listen from the head. Oh, I've made so many mistakes. So she's my dharma. And so... And so I have to, you know, just right when I think that I'm, I'm, I'm good stuff, I go and screw up. <laughs> so oh, that's I'm, just, I'm forever an ally in training. Oh, that's just, that's just being human. And we all, we yes, go, but you know what? The, the reason she's been there for 22 years, I'm willing to bet. I haven't met her. I don't know her, but I'm willing to bet is because she knows that you're giving it your best effort every day. Yeah. I would say that that's true. She's, she's proud of me. At first she was like, I don't know what to tell people what you do. <laughs> she said that for the longest time. Um, and now she doesn't say it anymore. She's she knows what you do and she knows that you are, you're, you're there for her and you're and you know, it would be great if we, if I applaud your work and I really hope that it, it really gets to a lot of people, which is why you're here. I'd like to have you back on one of my podcasts and uh, yeah. to, to really pursue this and to, and to get it going. Cause you're, you're, you're a hell of a guy, Ray. Thank you, Kevin. You know, I have a, a coach and a, a spiritual advisor. And um, one day, a year and a half ago, my coach told me, Ray, you can ride this wave for as long as you want, as long as you remember, it's not about you. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. 
And my spiritual advisor in the fall said, you know, um, my intuition needs to tell you that you still have something to work out around success and what success means to you. So I, I went and did some work on success. I was all proud of myself. I wrote the answers. I even ran a little circle with my kids because they're 24 to 29 and they're trying to figure out life and who they are. And then I, I'm all proud and I call up my coach who set up a session and I start telling her all these things that I wrote down. And she looks at me through the Zoom screen and she goes, Ray, all of those answers around success were about you. Gone. <laughs> and she goes, and I'm like, oh, crap. And then she says, imagine the success of healthy masculinity. Imagine the success of many, 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 many men engaging as allies and leaders. And in that moment when she said it, it's like I had a cellular realignment. Like I got it finally. <laughs> so whenever I've seen amazingly powerful people done amazing things, they, this humble person comes up and they, they, people are like, Oh, you're so great. They're like, they, they redirect, they redirect. They don't make it about them. I finally understand what that means. And I'm saying all this to you because with all that said, with all the energy I put into the book and the conferences, Come January 3rd, the day before my book launched, I also realized tomorrow is just a Tuesday. And whatever story I made up about so much success that I wouldn't have a life to nothing's going to change, neither happened. <laughs> and what I've learned is to be present to the mystery because I don't know what's going to happen and I'll be damned, but in the last three days, I've met two very different women who've been at the affect of male bullying, one for a large retreat center, the other for a, a woman of color, and I'm getting it. They need an ally. So there's how I think I'm supposed to be in the world and what I'm supposed to do, and then these situations keep showing up. So it's a wonderful mystery. And so the success or me being on purpose it's already here. I just don't know if it's going to translate into thousands and thousands of books being sold. I really don't care. <laughs> no, it's all and, good. I, and I'll tell you that the reason that you are here on this show right now, by the way, we're talking with Ray Arada, and the reason you're here is because somebody is going to listen to this show. They're going to buy your book, and it's going to change their life. You'll never meet them. You'll never know that. Yeah. That's going to happen, and that is what drives me. That's why I have people like you on the show, because it's so important that the, that the information get out. And Let's Ray, do this again, Kevin. Let's do it again. Absolutely. We have to. And I'd like to thank you very much for being on the show today. Go to rayarada.com, and uh, you can find out all about him and his books, and buy his books, and give them to you, your significant partner. And it would be very helpful for both of you. I, and I've got one minute left, Ray. you got 30 seconds to give me your 30-second pitch. Go Niners. I'm just joking. Oh, <laughs> no, no. no. I, I, I love the Seattle Seahawks fans. So, so the pitch is I need everyone's help to advance the what I call the better man movement. And there's so many ways you can do that. You can buy the book, like Kevin said. You can introduce me to, to leaders. You, you can put yourself on the path of, of becoming a better ally. You can attend the conference. I just need, I want to get this book in as many men's hands as possible. So 
the bigger the there's other podcasts, the Joe Rogans and all these people of the world, they need this. By 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 all the way, right? That was that was longer than thirty seconds. But anyway. Okay. So, <laughs> But I want to thank you for being here. It's been awesome. Hey, take care of each other. And we'll see you on Friday at noon. So be kind to one another because each other's all we got. We'll see you next time. 